Hey guys, here we are, hardly failing. With the Lock Nuts. Episode 7, Double Trouble. You said Baby A and Baby B? Huh, that's pretty cool. Wait, wait a minute. That's pretty close to what I said at the time, don't you think? Yeah, you were pretty shocked. Uh, it was a surprise of a lifetime. Heck yeah, twins? Why would I expect twins? Why would I be fine with that? Why would that be not freak me out a little bit, you know? Yeah, it was a little scary at the beginning because we just didn't know what to expect. Because nobody we knew had gone through that situation. Exactly. Well, I guess we knew of twins. We knew... Yeah. I think we both know twins. Yeah. But to actually have that be our fate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> oh, man, that was uh, that was a really big shocker. It was definitely a really big shopper. Shopper? <laughs> we did not shop for them. <laughs> no, we did not shop for them. But there was a lot of shopping that was involved for them. Two yes. of everything? Yeah, for the most part, we bought two of everything. Two car seats, two sets of diapers, two wipes, bottles. You name it. Two of everything. It was insane. Yeah, if you multiply some of the things that you needed to double of you, and you think about it, it was a lot. We had a lot of bottles. Yes. We also didn't like to have it clean, clean them every single time either. <laughs> It was, we kind of let them stack up a little bit, and then it was therapeutic for me to be able to go ahead and clean the bottles. I yeah, don't know you were why. pretty much bottle cleaner unless I needed one because we were short one. Exactly. And it was a lot of fun doing that. But with that being said, who are we talking about here, Baba Locke? Uh, Little Locke and Just Luke Goblin. You betcha. We got a boy and a girl for twins. That, I would say, is a win. Yeah, that's what most people, I think, usually want, just because it's probably the best situation. Exactly. Most parents are going to say, well, I, I want one boy and I want one girl. We got them at the same time. So we kind of lucked out that way. But there were a lot of unexpected things that we did not see coming with any of this. For starters, I'd have to say... Just bringing them home from the hospital, taking a look at them, saying, what do we do now? And obviously, then one went to the bathroom, the other one went to the bathroom. And at that point, I think that's kind of when we started to realize right off the bat, we weren't going to be able to take turns doing this stuff. Right. I think, you know, even just handing, like if one's holding a baby, you're going to hand the other one off. You have to kind of figure out how to maneuver yourself to take the other baby and switch and do these things. It was just all a learning curve. Exactly. With with Nacho, it wasn't so bad. It was here. Let me take him. You yep. take him. All right. No, I'm going to do it. No, no, you're going to do it. I need a break. You go do this and I'm going to do this. And it, with the, the twins, that was not the case. No. We had to kind of get ourselves into a schedule, into a routine, which... I think ultimately helped us out a lot. Yeah, we definitely, when it came to the twins, needed that routine because if we didn't, it just, we fell behind on everything, laundry, bottles, all of it. And we just could never catch up. It was like we were on a mission to get through each and every day by just by seconds. Exactly. And I think one way to go ahead and probably describe something that a lot of people have gone through. 
Whose turn is it to do this? Whose turn is it to do that? Do you remember what I asked you to do when we were laying in bed in the dark and we heard Nacho starting to cry? Yes, you said, um, let, I'll rock, paper, scissors you for it. And then later on that day, that next day, you told me you were going to cheat. So you were going to win no matter what. <laughs> yes, that's pretty much what it is. And I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if any of you guys know. When I'm, you're I'm so pretty tired, sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone out there who's had a child and is in that position, there's that general arguing you get about who's doing Whose this. Whose turn is it? And it is just a pain. It actually caused a lot of problems for us. Just with like, no, it's your turn. No, it's my turn. It's like, I just walked through the door. Give me a second, you know? Right. And with the twins, there was none of that. Absolutely none of that. Well, no, because there's one baby for you and one baby for me. Exactly. It made getting up in the night to feed the babies easier. It made changing diapers easier. It was, you. there was somebody there to share in the misery, to share in the joy but sharing the misery. Of being so tired, yeah. Exactly. If tired. Oh my gosh, this one blew up its back. <laughs> How did it get in its hair? <laughs> there was just that general, someone is standing right next to you going through this entire thing. I personally would recommend that if anybody ever has any kids, I know this is going to sound like I'm an absolute crazy person, but both of you guys do as much as you can together. Getting up in the middle of the night. Yes, you know what? It's it, it it's tough. It's tiring. It's definitely a team sport. This is something that you have to rally together and you just have to do together. Because if you don't, you're never going to make it. Exactly. That's exactly it. And like I said, we knew right off the bat that we were going to have to go about this different than we did with Nacho. And one of the things we were hoping we were going to be able to do is wrap them up in their nice swaddling blankets Put them in the bassinet together, both opposite ends, so that they could go ahead and sleep. And how well did that work out? Not well. Every time we had one in there and we tried to put the other one in there, they'd both wake up and cry. They yes. hated it. They absolutely hated being next to each other. Anytime the twins. They're, they're not that type of twin. They're no. not that type of twin. They are not the twins who have their silent own language or any of that. They're kind of their own separate people, and that's just how they prefer it. Exactly. I would say going off of that, Mama Locke, the only thing that they do is if one is really like not, oh, I pinched my finger or something like that, but if one of them's like really emotionally sad, the other one will cry. Yes. And um, that's they, about yeah, it. Yeah, we had a little bit of that, a little bit of uh, sympathy crying too, but for the most yeah. part, that just isn't their thing. No, but yeah, that made it a really big pain because we were really banking on them being yeah, able we were, to sleep next yeah, to each other. Yeah, we were other. hoping we could put them in the same once. We could just have the bassinet, and then we ended up having to put the crib together, and we just had the one crib put together, and then we put them in there, but we put them far enough apart where they weren't getting vibes from each other. Yeah, and you got to realize, guys, it's not like we're talking two 10-pound babies. The twins were born. We brought them home from the hospital, and they were under five pounds. Yeah, they were they tiny. They were tiny. That was the craziest thing. You, you remember shopping when we knew we were going to have twins, and there was a chance that they could be small mm -hmm. and preemie babies, and we're taking a look at... <laughs> The preemie stuff, and yeah, we remember clothes. Nacho's clothes from yeah. when he was there. The preemie stuff was just so, so tiny. Yeah, I remember thinking, man, a baby can be this tiny. Yes. And then we put the preemie clothes on them, and... They, it drowned. Yeah, it was the, just The kids big. drowned Their them. arms basically just fell out of the sleeves, and it was just 
crazy. Yeah, it was. It took a while before they grew into preemie clothes. Yes. And that was the hard part because then it made diapers a pain in the butt. It made the clothes a pain I've in the butt. I've never seen diapers so small in my whole entire life. And Those the, preemie and, diapers were like. <laughs> exactly. And and they drowned. They yeah. drowned in the yeah, preemie they were, diapers. We had to roll them because they were so big on them. And it was just it was just a crazy, crazy experience to be able to do that and have the twins for that. And it, it didn't stop there because there were the the other little quirks that they'd go ahead and do, like when they were old enough to walk around and eat food like we were eating. Remember that when we'd go ahead and make food for ourselves and we had attention intentionally make like mashed potatoes or something like that, that they could go ahead and eat. Obviously, they're running around at that time and they'd go to your plate. Yeah, get some food. And they'd, they'd come to mine. So that they could get as much food as they possibly can. But that kind of goes back to like when we were first feeding them baby food, how fast we had to go. Do you remember that? Yes, that's right. The speed of which we had to feed them was insane. That would be a good... Maybe they had some sort of ESP going on there. Some eye glances, some looking at you. Hey, I know what you're doing over there. You're trying to eat more than me. Yep. So is that direct competition to get food. Mm-hmm. from us and they would like scream or cry when you're feeding the other one it was you had to move quick and if yes. you didn't there was going to be i'm not going to lie there may have been more than one occasion where food may have kind of gotten in their nose flicked at their mouth <laughs> instead of in their mouth because Uh-oh. when you're just going so fast you you just got to keep moving you got to keep moving because that's exactly what they would do you're they'd look at you're feeding that one over there right i'm here i'm hungry Right. It it was very, very weird how they did that. But I guess if you think about it, with them being inside of you, they were competing for food at that point. As they grew up, they're competing for attention. And when it comes to food, we're competing for food. It, it was just an absolute... I completely forgot about that. Yeah. That was insane. <laughs> I forgot. And, you know, and there's a lot of things that, like, they didn't like. Like, they hated, they hated pacifiers. They would never yeah. use them. They hated baby swings. They never went in it. We no. had two of them and they didn't use it. But the only thing they like really, really liked was their little bouncer chairs. Yeah. Their vibrating bouncing chairs. They hated the bassinet. I mean, they're just kind of... Yeah. They either really like it or they really didn't. Yeah. And like, even what we were saying with the sleeping, too. It's not just the bassinet. If, if we were to have them sleeping next to each other, I think you said it best. They wouldn't pick up on each other's vibes. They're close enough. Didn't matter. Yeah. They, they would wake up. Heat. It was just the weirdest thing. They were not your typical, like you'd think of storybook twins, where yeah. you you're they're together, they're best of friends. You, like you said, their own language mm-hmm. and all that jazz. They were not mortal enemies, but they were they were frenemies. I think would be a good way of saying it. We have a lot of pictures of um, them where little Locke is throwing a fit next to just Luke Gavin because she's mad about something. I mean, that's kind of their life story. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Or if one was smiling, the other one wouldn't be. I think we have this one still frame shot where Little Lock is kind of making a fist and bonking Luke Goblin yeah. right in the nose. It was just like one of those, I'm going to put my arms out and you could see him. He's all squinted. squinted face from face. punched in the face. And they that, were little. Yeah. They were only a couple of weeks old. That was that was them. They were not the the friendly, bestie sort of twins that were out there. They were the enemies of each other or frenemies. Yeah, you know, frenemies. It, it, that still kind of is how they are today. But even back then, I guess we should have known that that was the... <laughs> yeah, when she punched him in the face, we should have known. Exactly. <laughs> but um, 
I think, you know, we had talked before about how Nacho, he really kind of glued us together, really helped me and you become a me and you. And when it came to the twins, I think that just cemented everything in place. Yeah, they definitely filled in, I think, where we were, we had our gaps where we were missing something and they helped kind of just, like you said, cement and stabilize everything. There were still things that we needed to work on. Oh, yeah. But they definitely were the catalyst. If you can imagine Jello, you go ahead, you put the fixins in the Jello, and as you have it starting to chill in the refrigerator or even sitting in a cool room, something like that, it slowly starts to solidify into that Jello. So no matter how much you shake it, it kind of it wobbles, but it all stays in place. I'd say that's probably what the twins were. They were that jello that we threw into the hot water. And as it started to cool, that was us sort of kind of bringing it all together. They were the additive that, that helped make it all come together for us. Yes, they were. Um, for granted, we will always have to work on issues and that stuff. That will never be something that will ever be over. No, <laughs> no. Our kids get older and different issues arise and, you know, eventually our kids will be gone and different issues will arise. So one of the weirder things, I think uh, now me and you, we, we talked a lot about what we want out of life, what we want out of our relationship, what we want out of the kids. But I would say it's still kind of weird when we have different topics come up that we, we never ran into with Nacho. So maybe it's something about wearing hats outside or something like, I don't know. We'll, we'll say wearing hats outside. <laughs> you bring something up like, oh, well, I think both of them should wear hats that are not matching. And I would say, well, why can't they wear matching hats? We have two of the same kind. Can't they just wear them? And it's those weird little yeah, instances think, where... Right? Like with the twins, we were very careful not to have them be... Well, obviously they're boy girls, so we didn't really have matchy-matchy clothes. Yeah. Um, but that's something we did discuss if they were going to be both girl, both boy. We were never going to make them wear the same clothes because they're not the same person. Exactly. And with the twins, that's something we're very, very careful about because we want pe people to understand they are individual people. Just because they were born at the same time doesn't mean that they're yeah. one person. Exactly. For me, I don't know about you, Mama Locke, but I know we refer to them as the twins. But I, it's so weird. It doesn't even seem like because of the people they are, because we encourage them to be different from each other, that they don't even appear to be twins no. most of the time. Obviously, they're boy and girl, but right. they don't appear that they're actually twins. They're two totally separate people. There isn't even much overlap at all. No. Other than the fact that we're their parents. Yes. It's it's kind of weird. No, and we well, I think that's partially because that's kind of the way we wanted it. When they did go to public school, we made sure they were separated. And so they have always kind of been their own people. And we exactly. kind of made sure of that because we didn't want them to feel like we were making them one person. Exactly. And with that being said, with going to public school, the very first year, I think it was 4K kindergarten, yes. they didn't have a large enough class size so that they had to go together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not the end of the world. We, we asked if we could possibly do that. But then timing wise, it would have been really silly for us to do it for Separate going them. to get them yeah. from school to drop them off. So we decided that, OK, they'll the, just go together this one year. And then after that, we'll make sure they're separated after that. Um, 
but we soon found out that that actually led to some issues by having them in the exact same class all the time. Yeah, um, Little Locke would always speak for just Luke Goblin. Luke Goblin struggled with speech problems, and so that did not help that issue. That was one of the issues that we ended up running into, definitely with him, because of him being... Well, they both were about a month premature, so mm-hmm. you have that working against you. And what ended up happening with Luke Goblin is that his mouth muscles really didn't have an opportunity to develop as well. Well, it's hard to have muscles develop when the other person talks 97% of the time. That is the other issue. He did have issues with speech, but then, yes... He didn't have to speak for himself because she did. Exactly. And it was instantly a crutch. Mm -hmm. Instantly a crutch for him. So there were a lot of times where... You know, me and you could understand what he was saying, but grandma and grandpas, they'd have problems understanding them. Yeah, out of 20, I believe they said out of 26 or 28 sounds, he only had four. Four that were actually legit sounds. Correct, yeah. So that was something that was kind of scary for you and I. And Well, especially since we had spent all those years previously trying to get help from programs, trying to take him to speech therapists, and they're all telling us there's nothing that that they can do, and we knew something was wrong. Exactly. That's exactly it. We knew there was something up. We knew there was an issue, and school just made it apparent. I mean, we had, like you said, we had tried to go seek out help, and no one would, no one would help us. Yes. I was, when I went to go pick up the kids from school, I was sitting on their little wall up there because at the end of the day, the four carriers play outside. And I'm sitting there and the teacher comes up to me and she's sitting next to me and she's, you know, just kind of talk to me and, I'll, you know, she kind of looks at me and she's like, so how would you feel about if we were to get Just Luke Goblin tested for speech problems? And I was almost in tears because it was like all this time you and I had been working so hard to get him help and finally somebody else seen it. Yes. And that was... I remember when Mama Locke told me, I mean, I, I kind of welled up a little bit on the inside and maybe a little bit on the outside, too. <laughs> and it was just that layer of relief that finally someone is listening. Right. All that fighting. That's, I think, one thing that I would definitely say to anybody who is going through that is keep fighting. There is somebody out there that's going to listen. There is somebody out there that's going to help. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we were able to get some help. And his speech has developed quite a bit. You can definitely tell his speech is a little bit behind Little Lock. But <laughs> Little Lock, like you said before, talked like 97% of the time. And okay, now she doesn't talk 97% of the time for him. Now she speaks 100% of the time for herself. And it is just, it's crazy. <laughs> yes, she definitely is a talker. She will talk you till you're asleep if she could. Exactly. And she also had some issues that we had to work on, too. Yes, um, we never um, got her diagnosed with anything because we just didn't want to put a label on her. But um, she did some therapy, a therapy program to help her kind of be able to settle herself down and be able to work and to control some behaviors and things like that. Exactly. Exactly. And during that process, we actually found out this is I've never heard of this before, but uh, we ended up changing up her diet a little bit. And surprisingly, gluten actually affects her a little bit. Yeah, not like her some not unnecessarily like, bad behaviors. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, 
a lot of times when you hear about gluten allergies and stuff like that, it's like, okay, the kid's getting seriously sick. There's something wrong. When Luke Goblin... It, no, Little Lock. Oh, Little Lock, yes. Little Lock. <laughs> well, she explains it as when she eats it, she just feels out of control and she doesn't know why. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how she explains it to us. Essentially, have a kid, let them eat a whole bowl of Halloween candy, wash it down with... Uh, a, a Mountain Dew, yeah. and then you go ahead and give them a bag of sugar to mow down on, too. The kid's going to be jazzed, and the kid's going to be, like, out of control, feeling weird. That's essentially what ends up happening. Yeah, it makes it, she says it makes her do things that she normally wouldn't do. It makes her do bad behaviors, and that's just kind of how she describes it. Yeah. I'm going to go with what she says, because I've never had that before. No, that's exactly it. I'm just, <laughs> from, from my yeah. observation. No, you're exactly right. That's why it's like a kid just, you know, on so much sugar that it just can't do anything. And it just made everything harder for her. Exactly. And the biggest thing that we had to make sure we did was as the kids were getting older, with the speech issues, with Little Luck and her, her gluten allergy, we'll just call it that, um... We had to, as parents, not only make sure that um, family members were aware of this is how things were going to go, uh, we had to make sure that everyone else knew as well. Not like random strangers. I'm not going to run up to a guy and say, hey, <laughs> my kid has a speech problem here. You you, you mind yourself here. No, but like uh, authority figures, like people at school and stuff like that, we needed to make sure that they were aware that this was going on as well. Um and I was actually pretty surprised in how much grandparents jumped on board with a lot of this stuff. Your parents? Sure, yeah. Yeah. My my sister was definitely on board. She definitely praised every second of me trying something like an alternative for a little lack, for, you know, not just going in and saying, Oh, here, you take a pill because you're uncontrollable. I went you and I went beyond that. We looked for a program, a therapy program. We looked for food, things that maybe could help her or not help mm -hmm. her or whatever. We went super far. And my sister praised us for that, I think, every second that yeah. she could. And uh, I think my dad would go ahead and sit down and have Luke Goblin read to mm -hmm. him and stuff like that. I know my mom would go ahead and get gluten-free recipes. Yeah, and pancake and, batter. And pancake batter. And, yep, do the pancakes. Yeah. And it was kind of a nice little project for them whenever they'd go see Grandma and Grandpa. They'd be able to go up there and do these special things because they'd have special stuff just for them there. And it really helped reinforce that. Mm -hmm. they'd, they'd come home they'd say oh we got to go ahead and do this when they go from your sister and come back she's like oh i got to do this it was super cool because i was trying harder yeah you know things like that um or coming the, back when your mom would go to the store and get like the gluten-free uh, flour and little lock would bring it back and she would be super excited yeah. stuff like that when she would go with your mom yeah the little special things and it was just a matter of being able to talk to our families and be able to say hey this is going to sound weird, but this is what's going on. And we this is our approach. This is how we need to go about doing things. And that's what it is. There there can't be any exceptions. So I know family members, they're they're family members. But sometimes you got to when you have an issue like this, you got to maybe draw a line in the sand and say, "Guys, this is serious. This is how we need to approach this because we're all a family." That means we're all a team. We all need to work together at this stuff. 
You can't have oh, a little snack here. Oh, we love right, you, you a little bit here. We all have to be on the same team and work towards the same goal. And our goal was to, for Little Lack, was to be able to be able to control her behaviors and control herself and be able to complete schoolwork. And with just Luke Goblin, it was, you know, being able to speak for himself and use yeah. words correctly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, as a, it, with the Luke Goblin, we'll start with him first, but... As a little kid saying all oh, these little baby things and stuff like that, that's one thing. But when you're 30 years old and you're talking and you kind of sound like a little kid because you never had that opportunity to have speech therapy or anything like that, it's it's bad. I actually, I think I told you this, Mama Locke. There was a guy that I was working with yeah. and he actually sounded a lot like Luke Goblin. You could tell that he never had an opportunity for speech therapy. Well, yeah, the speech and therapist was telling us that when they bring this up to a lot of parents, a lot of parents are like, no, we don't want to fix it. It's cute. Yeah. And you and I were in shock. Exactly. Because it's not cute to me that my four, almost five-year-old is talking like a baby. And exactly. nobody can understand him. That's not cute to me. No. And when I, when I seen this guy and I was conversating with him, it broke my heart. It absolutely broke my heart to know that he's gone through his whole life and no one no one cared enough to give him this time. Right, and that's why you and I really did try to push getting him help. We tried to go through our, our state program and they said, no, there's nothing we can do for you. And we, like I said, we took him to two different private speech therapist place and they are like, no, there's nothing we can do for you. And we were pretty devastated because exactly. we wanted to fix it. Exactly, because we just, like, like any other parent, you just want the best for your kids. I think the good way of saying it, the kind of a traditional good way of saying it, is that you would like your kids to do better than you did. Yes. And in order to be able to do that, you have to be able to set them up for success. Right, and if we wouldn't have done anything, we would have definitely set him up for failure. He, because with that came... He struggles to read, he struggles to spell, and he's still trying to catch up with those things because of that being behind part. Exactly. And after all of that that's gone through and all of the stuff that we've gone through with the twins, they're boy-girl. You have just Luke Goblin and you have Little Ock. Two different hands, two different people. What are some of the things that they like doing, Mama Lock? Um, what makes them different? Little Lock is definitely very crafty. That girl will craft till her heart desires it. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> There's just something about her. She just is a crafty one. And obviously she talks a little bit. Yes. Maybe a little bit like her dad, but I don't know. <laughs> If, she's, if, she's also pretty tense. She's, she's an intense person. Everything she does is very intense. Yes. Yes, that is for sure. Where Lou Goblin is definitely the opposite. He's very laid back and kind of, well, I'll get to it whenever I feel like it kind yes, of personality. Yes, exactly. He's definitely the hugger of the two, though. Yeah, he's definitely our, our child that likes to hug everybody. Yes. That he got more from you. Yeah. That was, it was kind of funny. Um, he was, uh, he, I was a wrestling coach for a while here, and uh, Luke Goblin, he came out and he wanted to do wrestling after the first practice. He's... He's hugging everybody in the hallway at the school. Yeah, he doesn't He's just even know anybody. High fiving and all this jazz, and it it became kind of nice because then you have all these random strangers, right? That he has no clue 
And he's just going and, and hugging all these people. I, I know who they are. They're not random strangers. Don't yeah, worry. people from the thing. But then, and that just speaks back to, I think, the way we raise them. Yeah. Uh, Little Luck and I were going to the store one time, and there's this older gentleman walking towards the parking lot, and he's got, like, a big bag of coins or whatever. There, there must have been a hole or something, and he's just, they're dropping. And right away, she looks at me, and she's like, can I go help? I mean, they're in the middle of the road, so I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And she's running over there trying to pick them up for him. Exactly. And that just speaks to, you know, I think... How we've raised them to be kind people. Yes, that's exactly it. It's, you guys will never, you never know whose life you actually impact. Right, because everybody else, these adults, and these are adults that are just walking past this guy. And it's like, you know, come on, your parents didn't raise you probably like that. Exactly. And that guy was, you know, super appreciative towards, you know, her helping. That, you that's don't know exactly who you affect it. at the end of the day. You That's know, exactly just by smiling it. or helping or waving or being kind to somebody. Or in this case, having a, a young child help you pick up your coins because you had to go to the store and your your wife maybe couldn't do it, so you had to go and do it. I don't. We don't know the story or anything like that. Or you're at school waiting for your kid. You've had an absolutely terrible day. It's been absolutely just nuts. And here, some kid comes up and gives you a hug and tells you to have a good day. You never know. You never know what event is going to change your life. You never know what event is going to change your kid's life. It's it's just an undescribable thing. The the twins, they were one of those things in our lives that were the scariest thing that I think you and I had ever encountered. Oh yeah. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But on the flip side of that, I think they also were probably the best thing. That yeah, ever happened I would, to us. I would definitely never say, oh, I never would want to do it, do it because without them, we wouldn't be you and I. Exactly. Exactly. And from our house to yours. Thanks for stopping by.